If your life was made a movie, which actor would you hope to play your character? Hello and welcome again to another episode of our program, Develop. It is our absolute honor and privilege to have your company. And we are so excited about what God is doing in and through your life as you follow Jesus and you make disciples for Jesus. Uh, today, we're going to continue with our series that is called God's Moving Image. God's Moving Image image. And uh, we began our discussions uh, last, uh, last episode thinking about what would it be like if uh, uh, you and I considered the idea that we are a film and we're our filmmakers, that our life were a film, like a documentary, and we were also the filmmakers who are involved in our own uh, movie. We notice that if we go back uh, to the original script, we notice that our movie, our uh, moving image had two possibilities. That is uh, your desired script, the human's heart to create their own script, to live uh, their own uh, way, to pursue some of their self-centered purposes as what appears to them as desirable, or they could choose God's designed script for their life. And God's designed script involved them living with the purpose of relating to God as their loving Heavenly Father, their Creator, and uh, uh, reflecting His qualities as well as representing Him and His rulership in the world. Uh, we looked at the end of Act 1, uh, the end of, of this first act of the eternal drama, and we noticed that the, uh, uh, the human uh, representation of all of us in Adam and Eve, they chose their own desired script and they refused God's designed script of their lives. And we noticed that as a result of that, there was a disaster, a consequence uh, that, that uh, uh, followed their actions. And we know that small little changes in a movie can create large consequences. And this is the results uh, uh, that, that, um, that followed them as a result of that choice. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. Once they chose to eat from that tree and to pursue their own self-made uh, future, uh, and they realized that they were naked, they were suddenly aware of their shame. So they sewed thick leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Isn't it strange? That us humans uh, in our alternative cover-up, in our alternative solutions to problems that we created, we, we look at things that are so 
um, silly and meaningless. How can you use fig leaves to cover your shelves for a long time? That's such a temporary solution, but that's exactly what happens in our lives. We make some choices based on a desire, a, a desired climax, a desired future of ourselves. And as we make those decisions, as we take those actions, as we engage those in those interactions, we realize something isn't quite right. It's not what it was promised to deliver, over-promised uh, and under-delivered. And what we do is we create all uh, solutions, human-made solutions to, to cover up the mess that we created. But it was a mess that they experienced. The man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God and he was walking in the garden, the garden of Eden, in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the, to the man, where are you? Where are you? Have you noticed that the same human being who was scripted to have a loving, harmonious relationship with God Almighty is now hiding from the Lord? The Lord is not hiding from them the spot of their mess. They are hiding from the Lord. And that is the disaster of disasters that now the very purpose that these humans were created for is not being able to be lived out. They don't have the capabilities to be able to live in, uh, in a harmonious relationship. But God was pursuing them is saying, where are you? It's almost like a film director who has given a significant role to an actor. And, uh, and as the actor was supposed to begin the filming, they hide from the director. And, and, and it's almost like I imagine the director with some megaphones uh, saying, where are you? Where are you? They might be hiding, you know, um, for a smoker or they might be hiding, you know, connecting with some friends or they might be hiding on their social media. But he's yelling, he's seeking connection. And that's exactly what our Heavenly Father was looking for. But the sad news is the image was damaged, not capable of mirroring God's character. The capabilities that we've had for relationship with God, that we were created to be able to live that out, guess what? Those capabilities are dysfunctional now. They, they have been damaged. They, they have been marred. They have been uh, distorted. So now, how do you ever play God's character when you don't have the capacity to do so? How can you ever play this amazing uh, character uh, that, that you've been scripted to play when you don't have the capabilities that you were originally uh, granted? And this is the amazing thing that we see at the end of Act 1, the Act 1 of the drama that finishes in Genesis chapter 3. It gives us a glimpse of what God has in mind for Act 2 of that drama. It says, God cursing the, the, the serpent and says, I will put enmity between you and the woman. 
and between your offspring and hers. He, can you see the offspring of the woman is not thy, is he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Who is that he? Who is that he that we read about is the promised Savior, is the one who is coming to rescue humanity from the disaster that befell them at the end of the act one of the drama in Eden when they separated themselves uh, from their loving heavenly father. And death meant, you know, meant a separation from life, disconnection from the source of living. And that very, uh, that very promise of, of a savior is also repeated at the end of of that narrative, it says the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord God said, the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. We see the promised Savior the rescuer, and we see the tree of life. And both of these uh, uh, pictures reveal the person of Jesus, reveal the second act and the hero of the second act that will enable us to be able to play the character of God again, who would enable us to have the abilities to manifest the image that we were created to bear. His uh, his coming was uh, prophesied, was foretold, was promised even from the end in the midst of the horror of the end of act one, there was the glimmer of hope of the savior that will turn things around. He, he wasn't going to be sent to uh, reverse what actually happened, like stop it from happening, but he was going to reverse its consequences and restore the image that we were created to bear. And this is the second act, the act of incarnation. The second act is the act of incarnation. So when we look at the image of God in the scripture, we don't see a definitive uh, you know, description of what it is, but we see categories of verses or passages. Some categories speak of the image of God in creation. Some other passages speak of Jesus and his incarnation as the authentic, the ideal, the one and only perfect image of God. He's the one that reflected the character of God perfectly, perfectly. So we see here in this uh, second act, uh, Jesus giving humanity the ability to live out, to play out, to act out, the, the, the potential to be a reflection of the image, to live out the, the character of God in their own world. And Jesus al allows us to see human likeness to God as it was intended to be. If you were, for example, uh, given a screenplay to act a particular character, but you don't have enough descriptions 
um, or you can't actually discern from the scriptures how to uh, become like that character and embody their personality. Maybe, uh, you know, somebody will come along and say, look, they were like this and they would, you know, usually do that. And this is some of their mannerism and so on. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He embodied what it's like to be like God so that you and I could have a, a picture, a manifestation, an illustration of that very image that seems so far away from us because we were, the, the image capabilities have been distorted and the image of what we could be is so far-fetched for us. But Jesus came to bring that image near to us, human likeness to God as it was intended to be. And that's what Paul tells us and tells the church in Colossae. He says the Son, that is Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for him. He's the image of the invisible God. He reveals who God is. We see in him the power, the creating power of God manifested. And he is not only a revelation of God, but he is the head of the body, the church, the Christians. He shows what it's like for the body to be like God. Not uh, taking on, uh, you know, that we become gods, but that's what it's like to be in the image of God. He's the head of the body, so the body resembles and under the direction of the head. He directs the body so that it would grow up to be like Christ. The church, he is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. He is the one and only one that, that deserves all glory and honor. We are like Him. We are not replacing Him. We, because of the grace of God, we can become like Jesus, but He is supreme over everything. For God was pleased to have in Christ Jesus His fullness dwell in Him and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. What we notice is that Jesus is the full uh, uh, radiance of God. He shows us what God is like and by implication He shows us what we can become as the image of God. So Jesus it reveals God and reveals humanity that is on uh, in the image of God. That's the first thing. He shows us what we must be. But that by itself leaves us set uh, for failure. We can't, we can't bridge uh, the gap between what it could become that is reflected in the life of Jesus and who we are because of the fall. But that's when Jesus comes in and He changed things to enable us to live the life that we were meant to live. He reconciles us to Himself and brings peace by His blood, by His substitutionary death. You see, Jesus 
became fully God, fully human. He lived life on earth just to reveal who God is and just to reveal to us who we could be. We could be Jesus-like, like Him. But that by itself would be a, a huge tragedy because we will always look towards the ideal and feel so ashamed of our real reality. But Jesus came to by His blood to enable us to reconcile. That means to become one again. Remember when uh, Adam and Eve separated themselves from God, they hid from the Lord. It was a sense of, you know, each going to their own way or more likely the human uh, representation was taken uh, aside a, a away, a different road, a different path away from their loving Heavenly Father. But Jesus comes to reconcile us by the blood of His cross. Once you were alienated from God, you were enemies in your minds because of evil behavior. But now, but now, but now He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in His sight without blemish and free from accusation if you continue in your faith established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. You see, Jesus didn't just show us what God is, but enabled us to live in the likeness of God as it was intended. He enables us. He does that by His substitutionary death, by His cross. You know, the reality is so many people consider the idea of Jesus' cross as like a payment for the punishment that we were supposed to pay. So it's about a transaction between us and God. And Jesus is the one that's paying the justice of God on our behalf. And as a result of His uh, death on the cross, He paid the penalty because the penalty or uh, the, the wages of sin is death. So He paid that wages so that we can be scot free. That's a transactional understanding of the gospel. That's a transactional view of the good news. But the good news, whilst it includes that, is far better than that. The good news is a transformation. It's not just a transaction. Jesus didn't just offer a transaction of forgiveness, but a transformation of our existence. He didn't just give us forgiveness so that we could live free of guilt and so that we, at the end of our lives, we could end up in heaven, uh, you know, uh, but, but he, He's transforming our very existent. He redeemed us from the empty life that we have inherited from our forefathers. Jesus created a transformation by His cross. See what Paul is saying in Galatians 2.20. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. That's the cross of Jesus. It's bigger than something separate from me. Can you see the unity? I have been crucified with Christ. I have been there when He was, cru when he was crucified. I was in his spiritual uh, DNA when he was crucified and I was crucified with him. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. But Christ lives in me. But Christ lives in me. You see, friends, that's the mystery. 
That's the thing that Christianity of light is missing. The power of being transformed lies in Christ in us, not a transaction. You come, you get prayed over, you receive Jesus and you live life as if you just, you know, nothing has happened. But the reality, Jesus is uniting himself to us by the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit and gives us a new existence, gives us a new nature. He restores the image of God on the inside of us. That's the mystery of the union with Christ. That's why in 2 Peter chapter 1, he teaches us that we've become partakers or participators in divine nature. We're no longer separated from God. We're meant to relate intimately, harmoniously, and unitedly with God. And Jesus comes, and because he lived a perfect life, and he died a substitutionary death. He didn't deserve to die. He died on our behalf. And he rose to heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father in all glory and honor. He promised that he would send the Holy Spirit. Why? That Holy Spirit promise was given to us even from the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit covenant that enables us to live the way we were meant to live from God's plan of our creation so we could live out in fact not us live out you see that the, the, the actor is not just living from external influences but it's almost like the character is on the inside manifesting himself through the actor's body and this is a transformation by our union with divine nature and I understand it's much easier in our Western world that is based on pragmatism for us to talk about a transaction. It makes sense. It's logical. It's easy. The union concept is mysterious. The union concept is like so much beyond our comprehension. It's too good to be true that God Almighty would choose to say, you know, me and the Father are one and we will come and find our, our home into you. And, and, and he speaks, Jesus speaks in John, chapter 17 about us becoming one like the trinity uh, are one we be one in them that unity that union is beyond our human com comprehension so we dismiss it but if we dismiss that unity we don't have the capacity to live out the version that god intended for us you see uh, Paul continues in Colossians and says this, I have become the gospel servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery, the mystery. Yes, it doesn't make sense. It's a mystery. It's, it's supernatural. It's beyond comprehension. Uh, it's something that has been hidden for ages is kept hidden for ages and generations but now disclosed to the lord's people to them god has chosen to make known among the gentiles the glorious riches of his mystery the mystery word again so what is that mystery paul that your gospel is all about is it about the mystery of being forgiven of our sins it says better than that which is the mystery which is christ is in you or Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's 
the mystery. That's the union that enables us to live that life and become more and more like Jesus. That's the process of sanctification. That's that's that that we need to have a potential on the inside of us that we could live out over time until we manifest Christ uh, uh, in in full glorification, fully. But in the time being, Paul says he is the one that's Jesus. We proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. So what Paul is saying, Jesus came and united himself to us for the purpose of eventually we are made more and more like him. That's what maturity in Christ is all about. You see, as the Holy Spirit uh Uh, reveals and transforms us into the image of Jesus, there is a little condition that we need to embrace as God's people. Look at what Paul says in another letter, the letter of 2 Corinthians chapter 3. He says, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory as by the Spirit of the Lord. You see, Paul here speaks about us being transformed uh, uh, into the image, the icon, uh, into into a representation, into a reflection, into a, 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 a way of mirroring God Uh, to the world around us, which is mirroring Jesus, being in the same image uh, of Jesus who reflected God. And he's saying this can happen as we look in a mirror. As we look in a mirror, we see God's awesome glory. We see God's awesome attributes. And as a result of that seeing, the Holy Spirit transforms us gradually from glory to glory. So we become according to that same image. It's an insane miracle that the Holy Spirit, uh, uh, you know, completes in us. But He does that as we see in a mirror. We always mention this. The, the difference between a mirror and a window is so supreme. A window, you see external of you. A mirror reveals you. And when we see ourselves what are we seeing he's saying when you look in the mirror you see the glory of the lord that means you see jesus who's united to you on the inside you see his attributes you see his characteristics you see his qualities you see his beautiful nature and as a result of that when we see who we are capable of becoming and being guess what we begin to uh 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 Partner with the Holy Spirit who Himself transform us into that same image that we see on the inside. So you got to see it on the inside in order to be transformed into it on the outside. That's why the concept of transformed here is a word metamorphosis, which actually comes from the concept of a change on the outside that comes from the inside. 
You have to have the life of Jesus, the DNA, the potentiality of Jesus in order to reveal Jesus. You receive Jesus in order to reveal Jesus, to make Him known, to act out His life in the world. And here is some of the capabilities that you and I have because we are united to Christ. We have the capability of having intimacy with the Father, just like Jesus had intimacy with the Father. In fact, in Romans chapter 8, we are told that the Spirit enables us to cry, Abba, Father, it's the exact terminology that is used in the gospel of Jesus praying to the Father. We are invited because we have the capabilities of Jesus on the inside to relate to God as our daddy in heaven. How awesome. Don't ever say I'm not capable of having a relationship with God that's intimate. You do. You have the capacity. The second thing we have is integrity of character. You see Jesus said who can convict me of sin? On this side of eternity, we will never be exactly like that. But we can uh, love sin less and less. And we can love righteousness more and more. And we have the capacity on the inside. In the verse that I just mentioned earlier from 2 Peter chapter 1, it says that God has given us Everything that pertains to life and godliness. That means you have all the capabilities on the inside of you to be able to live a godly life, to live with integrity and humility and self-control, to have the same uh, type of inner life that God created you to have. The third thing that you have capacity is unity, is love with believers. So many people say, you know, these people, you know, make me on edge. They frustrate me. They rub me the wrong way. They, but, but you know what? I don't have the capacity to love them. Why? You have the capacity to love them selflessly and unconditionally and to be united to God's people because you have the capability on the inside. You just need to activate it. You don't say to yourself, I don't have the capacity and imagine that you're going to be able to progress. No, you can't do that. You need to see it in order to be it. You need to see it on the inside in order to live it out on the outside. The fourth thing is influence in the world. Just like Jesus had influence in the world, you can embrace that capability Jesus taught with authority. Jesus loved selflessly. People cared. Jesus cared for people genuinely. Jesus had wisdom. Jesus had an ability to connect with people that other religious authorities didn't care about. Jesus had changed the world through his discipling. Jesus had changed the world for eternity. And his DNA is on the inside of you because you are united to Jesus. The life you now live, you live or Christ lives in you and you live that by faith. You see, what I wanted to finish off by saying is let Jesus manifest his life in your film on and off the set. You see, some Christians uh, know how to mimic and imitate and live like Jesus in the world in some circles, in some opportunities, in some uh, friendship groups. When they get to the church, you know, oh, you see their humility. 
Oh, how good is their kindness. Wow, how beautiful is the way they serve others so, uh, you know, selflessly. But you see them in a different context and you say, Oh, what happened? You know, are you off the set now? You're not acting, uh, you know, the way that you, you, you're supposed to be acting. You're not in character. But, but we are invited to never uh, take off this concept of living our capabilities whenever and wherever we are. And I've read that actors that excel in their acting, that adopt a particular character and do so well with that character, they find it hard to switch off during their filming season between themselves and their character. I know it seems a bit weird, but honestly, I read a story about this guy, Jared Leto. They, they used to say that he's a little bit over the top in commitment to the character. Uh, I read in one film, he lost 25 pounds to play that character. In another film, he put on 67 pounds to play that character. In fact, they say many a times, he never breaks off the camera. And I got an amazing quote I wanted to show you from a co-star in one of the movies called Will Smith, who worked with uh, uh, this guy. He says, I have never actually met Jared Letter, who is the actor. We worked together for how long? Six months. And I've only ever spoken to him as the Joker, which is his character. Isn't that freaky? I have never actually met Jared Letter. Imagine in the movie of your life, the one that you are filming day in and day out. That people will look at you and say, you know what? I have been working with this guy for six months. And never one, once I've spoken with him as Peter. But he's always presented as little Jesus in the world. <laughs> Imagine your children at home. It's like I've been at home for 19 odd years. And I have never dealt with my dad as this crazy, selfish, uh, you know, self-centered uh, workaholic. I have always seen and interacted with him as the Jesus-like parent. Imagine your co-workers, imagine your friendship groups, imagine your church environment. They say, we've known this guy for such a long time, but I tell you what, he hasn't presented as himself. He has presented the, the reality, the capabilities that have been deposited in him. He played the character of Jesus so well. That is honestly and sincerely my prayer for me. That is honestly and sincerely my prayer for my family. That is my absolute hard desire for our team at Gen J. That's my desire for every single person that we connect with in terms of the communities of disciples. That is my absolute dream and prayer and ambition for, for every God-honoring believer worldwide. That when people interact with us, they say, you know, I've known him for so long and I have never encountered them as their selfish, self-centered person, but I've seen the glimpses and I smelled the aroma of Christ in them. Until we see you 
together in, in front of the throne of Jesus, I pray that that will be our ambition to live out the potential that Christ deposited on the inside of us. Thank you so much for being with us. I look forward to being with you in the next episode when we look at how we can actualize our potentiality. Until then, God bless you.